0: And we are back with G Truth. The playoffs just got kicked off. Game one's all around the board. The first matchup was the Brooklyn Nets against the Philadelphia 76ers. And boy, that was a good one. 76ers got off to a nice start with Joel Embiid getting many many free throws, putting Jared Allen in plenty of foul trouble. But from there they kind of receded back just was abysmal from behind the line, three point line. And the Nets just took off, they got comfortable. And once the Nets get comfortable, oof. And anything can happen. Anything can happen. They're 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 a good team, they're a young team. And like I said, give them any confidence, and they can take off and just run with it. And this is, that's exactly what they did. And Jimmy Butler was really the only person that showed up for these 76ers at all. Joel Embiid started off great, got to, got to the free throw line plenty of times within the first few minutes, uh, made some nice shots uh, close to the rim, but then after that, he just dunked it up. It was just horrible from then on. And Ben Simmons with 9 points? That's it? I mean, people have said that he a playoff liability because he can't shoot. But this is ridiculous now. He literally has no factor at all. Tobias Harris and J.J. Redick did literally nothing. Tobias Harris, I believe, contributed 4 points, J.J. Redick 5 points. Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris, 9 plus 4, 13 points total between the two of them, was equivalent to Boban Marjanovic off the bench with 13 points. And yes, the Nets struggled early with scoring and defensively and all that. But then the three started to go in for them. They started to get comfortable, like I said before. And they're a young team, and they're getting juiced up, riled up, and they want to win. For them, making the playoffs is a win by itself. They weren't expected to be here. But this is a win for them no matter what. No, no matter how this series go, goes, it is a win for them. So, th- so they're playing with that nothing-to-lose mentality. These 76ers, on the other hand, have everything to lose. They have to win the series. And I believe that they'll bounce back. After shooting 3 of 25 from beyond the arc, they got to. I mean, you can't really get... Much worse than that. And it was a pretty close game even then. So I believe that the 76 Sixers will bounce back and win the next game, game two. But you got to be careful with that confidence with the Brooklyn Nets, their young team. Give them any confidence and they'll run with it and they'll beat you. And quick. All right, now moving on to the Orlando Magic against the Toronto Raptors. Oh my goodness, I, I looked at the score of this game. And I cannot believe it. I thought this was a sure win. Game 1 against the Orlando Magic. But all things being fair, this is the Raptors' one slip-up game. If they want to prove that they're title contenders, they cannot have another loss in this series. They have to, like I said, do a gentleman sweep. Win the next 4 games. Win it out of 5 games, 4-1. to They gotta do that. Kyle Lowry cannot have 0 points again. 0 for 7 shooting. Kyle, I thought we were past these days. I thought we were past these days. Pascal Siakam, it wasn't his best game. He shot a whole bunch. Didn't really get to the free throw line a whole bunch. But that's okay. He's still young. He's still blossoming. Kawhi Leonard did, did his thing a bit. But Kyle Lowry, come on. You can't have zero points. You can't let DJ Augustine... Literally only sports analysts, including myself, have heard of this guy. Casual fans don't know who this guy is, unless you're an Orlando Magic fan. And even then, you're probably like, who the hell is this guy? He had 25 points. Toronto, how do you lose this game? When the stars of the Orlando Magic, Aaron Gordon and Nikola Vucevic, don't even play that well. They they didn't play well at all this game. And then you let DJ Augustine go off and hit that game-winning shot. I can't believe it. But this is your one slip-up. You want to prove that you're title contenders and a real threat and no longer the baby little Raptors don't have another slip-up. Please. Just don't have another slip-up. Moving on. The Los Angeles Clippers against the Warriors. Now, I was wrong about this game. I mean, yes, I was right that the Warriors won. But, I mean, who really was going to bet against them? But I was wrong saying that this was not going to be entertaining because the Warriors would dominate. Yes, the Warriors dominated, but it was very entertaining with Durant and Patrick Beverly going back at it, uh, bickering and fighting amongst each other, and resulting in both of them getting ejected. But all, all in all... The Warriors easily took this game. Curry had 38 points, 15 rebounds, 7 assists. He was balling. Kevin Durant does his usual stuff, quietly getting 20-plus points. Draymond started making a couple threes. Clay was a bit cold, so that was one of my concerns. One of my other concerns was some careless turnovers that were... Somewhere on, some were uninstigated, where they just threw the ball away. Some were okay, where like they faked the cut and... There's one where, for who it was, uh, who's, ma- who's faking the cut, but then Sean Livingston thought that the cut was being made when it was really just a fake and threw it out of bounds. So, so those ones I'm okay with because it's all just communication right there, but the ones where you're just throwing it away is is bad. So that's, so that's one of my concerns, and then the other concern was... Uh, on a breakaway for a fast break, Durant seemed a bit shaken up after that fall where he was grabbing his tailbone. So that's a bit of of a concern if you're a Warriors fan. Um, and he did get uh, ejected. So you don't want him gathering up those tentacles, especially in, in the in the playoffs where he could get suspended for a game. But overall, this was an expected outcome for the game, aside from the technical fouls. It was pretty much expected that the Warriors were, were going to win. The next game to close out Saturday was the Spurs against the Nuggets. Now, the Nuggets spent this whole season trying to fight for that one seed, two seed. So you have that home court advantage because they're a young team. You want that home court advantage if you're a young team. You want the most comfortable atmosphere for your young players to. Start off the playoff experience with. And they got that. But then they lost it. With a game-one loss against the Spurs. And Derek White's clutchness and the Spurs' experience showed up big and won the Spurs' the game. Yes, the Nuggets clawed back in the final few minutes, but they choked in at the end because of their lack of experience. Where Jamal Murray had Jokic wide open under the basket sometimes. But didn't give it to him. And ended up shooting a bad shot. Overall he was I believe 8 for 24 from the 4. Pretty bad. And for the whole game. Denver just kept on shooting from the 3. You guys are not the Rockets. They shot 6 for 28 from 3. They kept on choking it. And got no results from it. And I think this is. Another thing that Nikola Jokic gets criticized a whole lot for is that he does not attack enough. And pairing that with Jamal Murray, who just couldn't hit anything on Saturday against the Spurs, it's not a great recipe for success. Now, it was their first playoff game, but it was at home. I, I, I fully expect them to bounce back. But it's still going to be close. They cannot have these slip-ups anymore. Jokic has to be on constant attack mode. He can't be looking to pass every single time. He's a gifted passer, but he has to attack in order for them to win. Otherwise, the Spurs can very easily, slowly just ship away and eventually just win the series. I mean, the Spurs definitely don't have the capability and the playoff experience between DeMar DeRozan Patty Mills, LaMarcus Aldridge, all those players to definitely come away and win this series. Next was the Pacers and Celtics to start off Sunday. And like I said, this was going to be an ugly game. Not in blowouts, but just a slugfest where it's just tons of defense, poor offense, not a whole lot of stuff going on. I mean, Pacers literally going up by more than 10 points and then from there the Celtics just just clawed their right way back. They I mean, it was great that they clawed their right way back, but it was still kind of suspect. It, was, it wasn't perfect. And and that had a lot to do with the fact that the Pacers just went 9 minutes without scoring a single field goal. And that was expected to happen. I like I said before, they aren't the same offensively without Victor Depot, and that is their Achilles heel for this series. And for the playoffs in general without him. And there's not really much to say about this game aside from, I guess, maybe a good win for the Boston Celtics. It still was pretty ugly. Wasn't great. But I guess it's a good win. Then now the next game was amazing. Thunder... The Oklahoma City Thunder against the Portland Trailblazers. Playing game one in Portland. The Oklahoma City Thunder swept the season series, but the Portland Trailblazers win game one in retaliation. And this was all Dame Dollar, Dame time. Damon Damon Lillard came up clutch with some deep three-pointers. And these were from way far out, like Curry Land. And then pairing that up with and as Kander dominating his center matchup against his former teammate Stephen Adams where he got 20 points 18, re- 18 rebounds and several key offensive rebounds to keep possessions alive and allow Damian Lillard do his thing and adding that with the fact that Paul George played horrible i know that his stat sheet will say different his point totals will play will, will say different but he played horrible. He really only played well within, like, the last minute or two. And even then, it wasn't... I mean, at that point, you could tell that Portland was going to win the win, win the game. So, pairing the fact that Damian Lillard played amazing, Enes Kanter played amazing, and Paul George played horrible, and the Thunder went 5 of 33 from 3, Adding all, that, adding all that together, I'm surprised that the Portland Trail, Trailblazers didn't win bigger. What Russell Westbrook and Steven Adams were really the only two players on the Thunder that played well. Their bench didn't come into play. Dennis Schroeder had, you know, I believe double-digit points, but he took 17 shots. I mean, th- th- that's pretty bad. I, I love the way that Russell Westford played today uh, on uh, Sunday, my bad, um, where where, he, he just drove in for the layup every single time. He took four three-pointers, but, uh, I mean, he missed them all, but I like that he kept on attacking. He didn't get stuck on the three. Like he sometimes does and falls into the trap of where he falls in love with the three-point line a bit too much. And ends up jacking up 10 three-pointers so, and only one or two drops. So I I, I like the way he, that, that he plays uh, on, on Sunday. But if he plays like that again and Paul George shows up more this time and actually makes his shots earlier in the game, throughout the whole game, then, yeah, I believe that the Thunder will win. This was easily their worst game that they could have possibly played. And the Portland Trailblazers played probably the best game that they can play. And even then, it was really, really close. So I am completely confident in the Thunder winning the series. Probably not in the same prediction that I created with the Thunder winning in five games. Because that would mean that they would have to win four games straight against the Portland Trailblazers. But now it becomes maybe six games. But I believe it's more dominant towards the Thunder side. Where I don't believe that Paul George has... As much of a horrible game. He definitely will play a lot better. The next game was the Detroit Pistons against the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, there's not really much to comment on here. The Detroit Pistons were without Blake Griffin, and they got smacked. That's pretty plain and simple, I think. Um, Yeah, that's really all I got to say about that whole game. Alright, moving on. (laughs) Uh, um, The next game, or the final game, to close out the game one kicking off of the playoffs for 2019 was the Utah Jazz against the Houston Rockets. Now, Houston did win uh, fairly large by 32 points, but the game was a bit closer, well, a lot closer than that final score indicates. I believe that the Utah Jazz overall, even though the final score says it's a 32-point difference, the game was a lot closer than that, and that 32-point difference really happened at the end where the Utah Jazz just said, you know, whatever, I give up. But I believe that overall the Jazz defense was somewhat good. I mean, there can definitely be improvements, but it was somewhat good. It was close to what, what, what they wanted. In the fact that they limited free throw attempts. James Harden only had three free throw attempts. Overall, the Rockets as a team only had 12. So that's pretty good. And they somewhat limited the amount of three-point makes with 15 from the Rockets. But even then it's not good enough because they were figured out pretty quickly after the first and second quarter. Because what ended up happening was that James Harden would dribble, dribble, dribble. And with the style that players are playing now because of James Harden, because of the way that he's called by the referees where he flops a bit and exaggerates certain things and bumps into players purposefully in order to draw that foul in the the way that almost plays against the rules, players are playing on his left side since he's left-handed so he does not shoot and instead drives to the hoop. And he said, all right, cool, I'll do that. And so what he ended up doing was he did just that, just drive to the hoop. He didn't shoot as many threes as he usually does. I mean, he shot 10, but in this game he could have easily easily shot a whole bunch more. But he said, okay, I'm going to drive to the hoop. And what ended up happening is that they had Clint Capella or Kenneth Reed Crash into the paint to threaten with a lob to to the big guy to the center, and they had uh, either P.J. Tucker or or uh, Daniel House Jr. start from up top in the wing and just slide down over to the baseline for a corner three, and that was always wide open. Now in the first quarter, second quarter it wasn't dropping. But the third quarter, fourth quarter, it was dropping a whole bunch, which led to that huge lead being, what was it, 32 points. Yeah, 32-point win. So their defense was pretty nice in the first half. but second half, like I said, they got figured out pretty quickly. And after that, P.J. Tucker and all the other guys, all the other role players on the Houston Rockets, you give them enough shots. And eventually, they're going to start making them. You can't give them open shots for too long and hope that they'll miss forever. And I believe that the Jazz maybe could have won this game, even though there was a 32-point difference. But I believe that they maybe could have won this game if they were a bit closer in the third quarter. They got pretty close at times. They just couldn't quite finish off their runs. And part of the problem is that their offense is not as consistent as it should be. For whatever reason, they their offense is just super stagnant. They, they they just can't score at will. Whereas if you look at the Rockets, they get. Even though it's not beautiful, it's not. Probably what fans like to watch. They still get generally open looks. Same with the Warriors, same with the Clippers at times. Same with the Nuggets. Same with the Spurs. All these teams get wide open looks whenever they want. Or it feels that way. But it feels like the Jazz have to force certain shots. And it feels like Donovan Mitchell has to really force shots at times. And dribble his way into the paint over and over and over and over again. Where they don't have really an easy go-to play to get them points. Whereas for the Warriors. And I know it's the Warriors comparing them to... The Jazz and the Warriors are way up here, and the Jazz are way down here. But same thing with the Warriors, where you have Steph just running around screens, running on screens, and he gets open eventually and just has a wide open shot. He's the the greatest shooter of all time, but he still finds a way to get open. So hopefully you get what I mean, but the Jazz don't have that, where they are able to get players open and get easy shots. Kyle Clover, a great three point shooter. Has not fared well so far in Game 1. Didn't even get a single shot. Played 10 minutes, 3 free throws, that's all he has for. Or to or show for in this game. So I believe that the Jazz can definitely win some games, but they're probably going to come at home rather than in Houston. And I think that they're close to finding a formula on defense, but not quite there yet. Since there is that flaw where they end up crashing all their players into the paint and it leaves all the all the perimeter guys wide open. And I know that the point is to get the ball out of James Harden's hand, but at some point you gotta say, hey, they're making a whole bunch of threes, so maybe we should switch it up a bit. Just as a suggestion. That's all it is. Maybe just switch it up when it's not working and they hit five threes in a row. Anyways, that is my recap and analysis of all the game ones that were played Saturday and Sunday to kick off the 2019 playoffs. It should be a good one. A lot of interesting games. The uh, sixth seed on, well, the seventh seed on both sides with the Spurs and Magic. And then the Nets and, uh, well, the Nets are the only succeed that won. But the lower seeds started off early with a whole bunch of wins, and then from then on, it was all the higher seeds that won for the rest of the day. Um, yeah, so that's going to conclude this episode of the G-Truth, recapping the game ones of the 2019 playoffs. So thank you for listening. Thank you for tuning in. Peace out.